Your Story with Melinda Estabrooks, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Listen for new episodes every Monday and subscribe to the podcast at faithstrongtoday.com. Our stories have the power to connect us, to inspire us, and give us courage. On Your Story with Melinda, your story matters. Well, welcome back to another show on Your Story with Melinda, and I have a great guest with me in the studio, Alana Walker Carpenter, CEO of Intricity, a ministry for business leaders in Toronto and Ottawa in Canada, but forging new ground into Manhattan. And so she's going to share about that. But Intricity really brings about her passion to inspire business leaders to integrate their faith and business through the five business practices she and her team have developed. And I know she'll be sharing a little bit with us about that because I want to learn what those five practices are. Alana was nominated in 2014 as one of the top 100 best Christian women in Canada. And here's the one that I love. She was also nominated by Chatelaine Magazine as one of the 100 best dressed women in Canada. Now, Alana has just a great story, a great passion, a real authentic faith. She's a mom to Carter and wife to Kevin, and she resides in the Toronto area in Canada. Welcome to the show, Alana. Thank you, Melinda. So great to have you here. I know you're so involved and so networked, but this point about you being nominated one of the best dressed (laughs) by Chatelaine Magazine, that's pretty big. How did that come about? And how'd you feel about that? Because I know that, you know, we're all like, oh, big, big awards on philanthropy and other things. But the best dress is kind of, kind of is like one that I love. And I wish I was nominated for that one too. You know, at first I was a little bit bashful. Yeah. But it's just a welcomed opportunity to dialogue with a couple of people. And You know, I I found that actually fashion has been a connecting point with people that don't believe. You know, whether we like it or not, people make a decision based on first impressions. Mm -hmm. So it has been a connecting point. That's great. I want to talk about that a little bit more, too. But so you're the CEO of Intricity. Um, I love that you are on Bay Street. You're in the business core in Toronto, that you're working with business leaders. But let's go right back um, a bit more of your story because it's it's we're always interested in how you know women men get to where they are today. So talk to me about your own faith journey and then how did you come about like you know what I need to create this ministry you know be the founder of a ministry that ministers to business people. So from the very beginning when you're young, talk to me about your story. Well, certainly ministry was something that I never aspired to. <laughs> Many people Probably a would lot of people relate. would agree. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I wanted to be the Prime Minister of Canada. That is what I aspired still to. Still possible, Lynn. It's still it is, possible. It is. Because <laughs> I always wanted to make change, mm-hmm. and I thought that that would be a way to make change. In fact, when I met Kim Campbell years after she'd been Prime Minister for the short duration of three months, I said, you know, I'm so disappointed because I wanted to be the first. And she, because she was only in for three months, jokingly said, well, you could be the longest. Oh. <laughs> so wow. in regards yeah. to the journey, I didn't come from a faith-based home. Mm-hmm. I went to Muskoka Woods, and that's really where I heard about having a relationship with Jesus and what that meant for me. Started out corporately, worked on both the client side and for a consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I realized that there were business ministries, but at the time there was nothing for women. And it really wasn't on the horizon either. Okay. So when I first started out, the burning passion for me was making sure women had a spot at the table. But okay. then over time, 
I realized that a lot of men were connecting with us and our brand and our core offering. And that's when we really took the time to rebrand and we launched Centricity in 2004. And we launched Centricity at the Toronto Stock Exchange, not as a public company, but as this place where people gather to say, yes, faith and business don't need to be compartmentalized. In fact, we can integrate them both. So good. Why do you think that there's not been or there wasn't at the time a ministry for business women? Is it overlooked? Why is that? That actually surprises me a bit. But maybe it doesn't. But what did you find? You know, I think, you know, back then organizations were all being kind of led by men. You know, there were more men within the workplace. There were more men within senior roles. There still are more men in senior roles. And I think it just took somebody to sort of rattle the chains a little bit and say, no, no, we need a place for women to dialogue. It's good. Now, when you were a younger woman, you know, here you are, I want to be the Prime Minister of Canada one day. But, you know, that's a very, you have a very entrepreneurial spirit. And for a lot of women, you know, kind of stepping out in that in something new that's never been done, in an arena where, like you said, it's more men, you know, as far as in those roles, what did it take for you? Like, what's the thinking process for you to kind of step into that, that place of, I have no idea what's going to happen. God, is this really what you're calling me to do? It took a lot of risk and a lot of guts Mm -hmm. and a lot of tears behind the doors that people don't see. I remember sort of wanting to make that decision, Melinda, and, you know, not everything was lined up. And someone spoke to me and said, it doesn't matter whether all the ducks are lined up, Alana. What matters is that God's calling you. And I remember that. Mm -hmm. It was at the Vancouver airport. I got on the plane and that was it. Really? Just like that? That was it. I knew. In regards to that entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurship runs in our family. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. He started one of the first Canadian tires. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely a risk taker. And so it wasn't too far off then for you to say, you know what, I heard the word, I made the decision, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that was, you know, not coming from a faith-based home, so there was no backing. And I wasn't married at the time, so really this was a real act of faith. So you found Jesus in Muskoka Woods Camp, the, the, uh, the camp or resort that's up north of Toronto. Did that resonate with you? I mean, coming from a home that didn't have sort of a faith understanding or practice, what was it about Jesus or this sort of community of faith that, that captured you even then? You know, when I look at the staff at Muskoka Woods, you know, some of the things that made an impact for me was the joy that I saw, but their high value of relationship. And I look at some of the values that Muskoka Woods had and still do, and how in many ways we've transferred some of those into interest, the high value of relationship, Mm -hmm. the commitment to excellence, the authenticity, are all things that we've sort of transferred. I love that because I think that, you know, a lot of us say, and especially as Christians, you know, to reach people that don't know or haven't experienced, you know, a faith community or Jesus, it's got to be a lot of, you know, convincing them and, and making sure we know everything about the Bible or whatnot. And what you say, and I've heard this a thousand times or so. It's all about relationship. And in fact, Melinda, if you go on my Twitter account, I say relationships are our trademark. Ah, that's good. So really then, that's encouraging for people who are like, well, maybe I'm not really an evangelist or I don't, I'm not as articulate to explain the whole Genesis Revelation story. Um, talk to me about the relationship. Because there are people who are listening and watching going, I struggle with that because I want to share my faith, but I'm not 
an extra, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. So what does that really mean about relationship? I'm so glad that we're talking about the word evangelism because yeah. when I did my spiritual gifts years ago, mm-hmm. it came out of one of my three gifts. Like this was like 15 years ago. And I was quite taken back because I felt in order to be an evangelist, you needed to be confrontational wow. in your approach. Yeah. And so what I've learned over the years is there's many different styles to evangelism. And you we all just need to be released to whatever style. So perhaps maybe it's inviting, perhaps it's apologetics, mm. and we just need to be comfortable with that. So I think we all are evangelists. We just need to be released to just operate in our style. Oh, that's good. I wish that they taught that in church. or I mean, because I grew up in a time where evangelism was always about, sometimes it was like standing on, on the street corner and like, you know, preaching it. And listen, for some people, that's what they do and they're comfortable with it. For others, and most, people were terrified. So evangelism always had this almost like negative connotation, like, <gasps> you have to go door to door, I've got to stand on the street corner, I've got to be really vocal. And I've noticed that there's been sort of a swing to saying, you know, evangelism is in, you know, the gifting that in which you, you can operate and be comfortable in, but also it's so much more about relationship. In that, you know, when you're looking at women, and you were thinking, you know, with Tristy when you started, you know, I really want to reach women in business or business leaders. Why did you find that? What's, what has been sort of the struggle with what you're seeing with especially, and not to exclude men, but just the women in, in business who are Christian? What are some of the struggles? Because for some of us who aren't in business, we could be more ministry. We you could be moms and not in that world at all. What, what are some of the challenges that they face? One in particular is not being affirmed by the church. Really? Into their wow. calling. Um, And so they're always second-guessing their calling. And then the unhealthy rhythm in which everybody is running. And this is a part where we can include the guys. Like It's just so incredibly unhealthy. And I think a byproduct of this intense rhythm is poor ethics, um, extramarital affairs. Like All of that is being a byproduct of we've got to get this under control. So let's go back. Those are really good points. So the first one you said is that Women in business yes. are not affirmed by the church. And so talk to, let's talk about that because that I, I think that there's listeners and watchers are like, oh, thank you, Alana, for finally like speaking out what I've been feeling. Yeah, I mean, even look when we have our women's groups at the church, they're not reflective of when a corporate woman is even available to attend them. Wow. Or who is it that we bring up to the front of the church to bless and affirm? It's the Sunday school workers. Do we actually ever bring up women and men and and just do a blessing on them as they go back to work September? Mm -hmm. Or who do we place these unrealistic expectations on and who should provide the cookies for the bazaar, for the potluck? In fact, I Mm -hmm. saw a great seminar a couple of months ago through the Women's Executive Network, and it was the former CEO of Lululemon, Christine Day. And I was like, yes, because she's like, I outsourced the baking to my neighbor next door. And I just think, you know, we've got to, you know, we can't be expected to do all of these things Mm -hmm. and still be standing at the end of the day. Yeah. So that's actually a really good point. So for women who are business women, what would you say to them who are like, oh, thank you for like saying this out. What's your encouragement to them? What would you say to them? You know, for me, it's just to be faithful to your call Mm -hmm. and just to embrace it with joy and that you you know, and in the same way, corporate women need to affirm those who've chosen to stay at home. Right. Like it has to be a mutual blessing. Yeah. And that that is your pulpit. Your boardroom is your pulpit. That right. Starbucks is your pulpit. You have, back to relationship, Melinda, mm-hmm. you have the unique capacity to build relationships 
um, outside of your own neighborhood, and, and you need to capitalize on that. So good. Then the second point you said is that just this unhealthy sort of lifestyle or unbalance of work is that basically that's what you're saying and so that's the second thing talk to us about that because that would actually be a really good point for us you know to to pray about like the people that we know that are in business I've never thought about oh pray for them in their in their hectic um, work life but as you're coming I'm I'm like oh wait I'm I'm getting something that I think I'm very convicted about with friends that are on Bay Street or in business, I never thought about that. So talk to us about that. Like, what are they facing and what are some of the areas that we can really be mindful and pray for our friends who are in, in, in business? Well, yeah, just the expectations are so grand. Like, you know, FaceTime, even though there's a lot of work from home, like when you arrive, when you leave, mm-hmm. there's a lot of expectations for client entertainment, travel, when one or two, you know, uh, the spouses are traveling, and just accessibility. Like for so many people, they are actually expected to be on call 24-7. So as far as your encouragement to them through Intricity, what, how do you help them kind of, you know, prioritize what's important, relations with God, you know, family, kids, and then work has to come below that or else, you know, and we've seen kind of the mess and what happens when those are out of priority and out of sync. I try and bring people back to just forgetting about balance because I don't think balance is achievable. Right, like one week isn't going to look like the next week. Right. So I try and bring them back to what does a healthy rhythm look like? When are your peaks? When are your lows? And what are the sort of things that you need to build in mm-hmm. to make sure that you're refreshed, your family's refreshed, and most importantly, you're refreshed in your relationship with God. Do you think that, Elena, you know, the church? I mean, I know the church hasn't done a fantastic job at you know speaking about this and giving skill and you know to people with this. It's sort of like you go off to work and. And then try to be a great Christian as you go. You know, what can the church do? I mean, in the area with, you know, women in business more so and then with people just, you know, working and working so hard and, and you know, and we see kind of the, the breakdown of that within even church, but even outside of that, you know, within family. What can the church do? What can we do? Well, I think, you know, it all starts with leadership. Okay. So I think about, you know, a pastor, you know, st- starting from there. And I okay. think, you know, often pastors will go and they'll visit the local soup kitchen or their local charity. But how many pastors actually go downtown to Bay Street or if you're listening in from a rural community, you know, one of the local shops and actually take that member of your congregation out for lunch or for a coffee and just learn firsthand in their own environment. What are some of your challenges and what are some of your opportunities? So it's that simple. It's that simple. It doesn't need to be complex. So how do you also then with the church figure out timing for people who are busy like that? Like what what would that look like culturally for for the church as well? So often, you know, business leaders are asked to sit on the finance committee or the (laughs) deacons board or the stewardship campaign and capital campaign. I was launching an initiative a number of years ago, and I took seven traveling executives and put them on a prayer team. I broke it down into each day. I gave them a topic to pray for. And, you know, it was great that the project garnered the prayer that it did. But I also knew that this would be a moment in their spiritual lives, no matter where they were in the world, that they too would be nourished. Oh, that's good. And how did they, what was the response for them? They, what had they, they were so touched. Alana, nobody's ever asked me to be on a prayer team. Really? Because you think that they would be so busy. person. Yeah. And yet, I mean, we, we would think that they are so busy, but I think for some people like that, it would be, they would just have to work out their time and, and how to do that, you know, within their own time frame of work. Wow. 
Okay, that's really good. You know, again, I'm, I'm sitting here with some great conviction thinking. I never think about that. It's like we all work, we all do our thing, but never really thoughtfully thinking. First, we need a ministry for business leaders in our main cities. And, and you know, earlier I said that you're foraging into some new ground in Manhattan. So what does that look like? Talk to us about, so in Toronto and in Ottawa, you know, what are the things that you do to support businesses and then why they need to go into Manhattan? So talk to a little bit about what Intricity is up to. So we've broken our organization down into five business practices. We call them events, coaching, leadership development, roundtable initiatives, and philanthropic initiatives. And I always say there's a different point of entrance and a different point of exit because we never want to hold an individual. Mm -hmm. What we found has been a great connecting point, even a starting point for our organization is our Christmas event. So I know we're now in January, but if we can think back just a little time ago to Christmas. And so we've done Bells on Bay Street, Bells on Bank Street in Ottawa. And we're looking at taking the same concept to Manhattan in the form of Bells on Wall Street. I do believe, and quite passionately, that Christmas is one of our only opportunities that we have left as a body of believers. There's something cultural about it. People still want Christmas, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily want Easter. So we want to use this as a springboard. Why do you think that is? That's interesting. A lot of Christians don't want Easter. They don't want Good Friday, but they only want Easter Sunday, right? (laughs) Right. It's uncomfortable, right? It's Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable. And so you're saying that for for people who are Christian or even seeking, Christmas is still that time that they're open. There's an openness, especially if they have children or grandchildren. Okay. Like I can't tell you, Melinda, how many families I invited to our Christmas Eve service. And they came. And they came. People that don't regularly attend church, even atheists and like totally nominal in their faith. Yeah. But they wanted to come out. So Bells on Bay Street, what do you do and why do you why do you think people love going and are so attracted and attend and for this? What what is it? Sure. I, I think where we hold it is critical. Okay. It's a safe space. We we hold it at a Fairmount property, so the Royal York in Toronto, the Chateau Laurier in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. We have a peer to business leaders, so we always feature a prominent Christian business leader that does the keynote address or sits on a panel. So what kind of people have those been so far? Oh, we've had some great people. We've had um, the CEO of Direct Investing for RBC. We've had the CEO of Canada Hubs. We've had the CEO of Caldwell Securities. We really look for a C-suite leader to influence our guests. Mm -hmm. And then we always feature a charity. And And then we adopt that charity for 365 days. And then the following April, we do a project with them. We call it a CEO project. And our goal is to have people that typically, Melinda, would sit on a board or write a check to experience philanthropy firsthand. Oh, that's good. And so I love the idea that you're looking into going into the U.S. Yes. Because, it's, you know, it's, it's Canadian start, it's Canadian based, but you're looking into the U.S. Why, why do you think that, do they need a great Canadian presence and thought? What, what, is there nothing happening that you see like that out of the U.S. or out of in New York? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Melinda, last year in June, I was invited to a think space and represented Canada. So there was 20 of us. Mm-hmm. The other leaders were represent doing kind of essentially what I do, but just all in their individual states. Mm-hmm. And nobody actually had really even thought about Christmas before. Mm-hmm. That was a time that they were all shutting down. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in a place where there's a stock exchange and a political climate, because for me, I think that that has the greatest level of influence. And that's why we would look at a place like Manhattan and Washington kind of as our next steps. From our knowledge, nobody is doing something like this at Christmas, and we're looking to be quite collaborative. Mm-hmm. We're actually looking at handing off the relationships. We're not looking at setting up shop. We just want to bless other organizations as we establish these relationships. And I love the work you do. That's not just the event, but you're doing ongoing coaching. 
um, other little you know groups of meeting to hear from other Christian business people what they're doing. How's that been going? Like, what's been the response? Like people meeting you know at breakfast or time and kind of being coached in prayer and things like that. Yeah, people love to, to gather with like-minded individuals mm-hmm. and there really is a hunger to be together. In fact, when we did a survey year 10 of our organization, being with like-minded individuals in an authentic environment was what kind of rated out on top. In regards to connecting, we meet a lot of people. I mean, I, I literally meet hundreds of people yeah. a year. And a lot of what I do is just connect them to that next person that might be able to help them. Mm-hmm. But Melinda, of all the things that I do and that we do as an organization, my greatest joy is journeying with people that are suffering and successful people suffer. And I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah, we do. What is that? You know, I've, I've even noticed that when, you know, being on television and even having a podcast, that when you're in that place of success or it looks like success, you're making lots of money, you have a, a position, a title, or you're on television, that people just assume that you're okay, that, you know, you don't need the support, even prayer support, because it's like, they look fine. I'll just pray for other people that look like they're in great need. Let, let's talk about that. I think that is really, really key. As we launch into the new year, you know, and, you know, as we share about how to, you know, have our best year yet, let's talk about that. How do we change that shifting first from the side of, you know, we are in media or we look successful and we're suffering and we're suffering in silence. And then the other side of how should we support that and open up those kinds of conversations for people? I love the fact that you said suffering silence. Mm -hmm. And often I'll say to people, Melinda, I'm with you in the silence of the night when I know that their just hearts are stirring and they're there and they're reflecting and they're thinking. I think it simply starts by this. When you ask somebody how they are, expect an answer. Hmm. Don't just expect, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? And not only expect an answer, be prepared to respond in some way, whether it's tangible or another way. When someone's suffering, I give them three options now. So based on what their individual situation is, mm-hmm. because it's not enough to say, let me know if you need anything. Yeah. Like, how can somebody like, well, what does that really mean? Yeah. And how people would respond to that? Right? <laughs> you know, give them three options. Now, I would probably say, Melinda, that this relates. I've only been able to sort of become more attuned to people's suffering based on my own personal suffering in life. Like God prepares you mm-hmm. based on your own experiences. Mm-hmm. And now I know that grief can't be quickened. And Melinda, that there's both physical loss, a loss of a parent, a loss of a child, but there's also symbolic loss that we really need to kind of lend an ear to, whether it's a loss of a dream, a relationship, Mm -hmm. an idea. So as we look, I think this is good as we look into the New York. I think it's great that whenever I'm in the podcast and and in the studio and listening um, that I learn from all of my guests. And so, you know, I want to really do this year well. And I think the first thing I think what you've said is, you know, the idea of as we connect with people that you said expect an answer. And so, you know, ask the question, but don't just be so flippant to say, oh, yeah, that's great help you hang in I'll pray for you but that really that if you really are asking you're really going to be intentional about helping and prayer and being there but it's also like you know a lot of us are like oh another relationship another you know friendship it's just how much can I give and I think it's being really thoughtful of who you're going to invest in and to keep your word if you're going to do something because I think so many people have been burned by you like oh yeah we'll pray for you however I can help you just give me a call yes and really that's not true intention 
if I can, I pray for them on the spot. Yeah, depending and I think where good. we are, yeah. right? Like I want to be sensitive, like yeah. where we are, but and praying right away, so it's not like I'll get back to you and do yeah. that. I think that thing about suffering, I think that for a lot of us, a lot of us have had suffering or grief, loss. How do we, as we, because you know, for a lot of us, you know, a lot of us carry that. There still is it, but as we look into this new year, how would you say we can do this well? That even though there is loss or grief, and you'll never forget it, or you know, lose it. How do we still live out our best year with this that's still in our heart and our mind or our experience? You know, often we extend so much grace to other people, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not gracious to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think it starts with grace and just extending that same grace to yourself and baby steps. Like yeah. don't expect that everything's going to be back to normal. Mm-hmm. And don't try and over-spiritualize things. Okay, that's right? a good one it too. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah, And take the time. And actually take time to grieve. Melinda, so many people just don't take the time to grieve. Yeah, Whatever it might be, whatever their stuff is, mm-hmm. work that into your schedule. And for you as a busy, you know, wife and mom, you know, heading up a ministry, what are your thoughts for, you know, your encouragement to other women who are kind of in your space as far as, uh, you know, living and starting this year well? Mm-hmm. What would you say? I know, it's one of those things I'm just sort of throwing at you, but... You know, one of the things that I do every year, and I haven't sort of got this concrete yet, is I actually, my husband and I together, and you can do this whether you're married or whether you're single, mm-hmm. is we have a theme that we work towards, and we do it for 365 days. So, like, set some really tangible goals and stick to them. And so for me, I use pink in my calendar for me time. My favorite color is pink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, make sure you've got your pink or your blue in your schedule. Take care of you. It's not selfish to care for yourself Mm -hmm. in all of those regards. So for you, you said, be gracious to yourself. Yes. You know, start the year off looking at it and saying, you know what, I have some from the last year, some things even from years before that I still carry and that those are hard and I need to grieve well, but to be gracious to yourself, right, to not be so hard on yourself. You know, second, you said me time. Yeah. You know, me time's important. And, and I think for the same for me, Elena, that I, I could just keep going, 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 yes. going and live on adrenaline. And I know that eventually I will crash if I'm not careful. But me time is important. And, and even starting off in January, when it's a bit of a lull, we find that you can start, like, marking that in. For those that are listening, like, you need to really discern what relationships suck you. <laughs> Yeah. And what relationships energize you. Mm-hmm. And you need to have both, right? Like we need, but you need to have a healthy proportion. And I find sometimes women get themselves in a really bad habit if all they're doing is surrounding themselves with people that suck them dry, mm-hmm. right? That point. don't replenish them. Yeah, good point. And what about just as far as, you know, starting the new year with either a new new outlook or of God and your relationship would be something good to say, okay, this might be a good thing for me and God to look into for this year? What What's your thought for you? You know, I'm keenly aware that our spirituality is becoming more and more dormant and forgotten, not mm-hmm. just with people that, you know, don't know Jesus, but people of faith, right? Mm-hmm. So many things. So I would simply say, pray, right? Yeah. Like if you're looking, like we can talk about all of these extra things that we mm-hmm. want to do, but I think it just comes back to simplicity. Mm-hmm. And for me, one of the greatest gifts that I have in my own relationship with God is just simply solitude. No scripture reading, no prayer, just sitting and listening. That's good. So four things from Alana Walker Carpenter, CEO of Intricity. Be gracious to yourself. Have some you time, me time. Boundaries around relationships and 
intentionality with the people that, you know, lift you up, that that bring life to you and just be wary of the people that can suck you dry. And But boundaries, I think that's good. And then fourth, you know, prayer and solitude with God and intentional times with Him um, as you start the year. Those are good. Those are really good. Four good points. You'll have to put that on a, on a blog or somewhere <laughs> on Facebook. In my spare Four, time. <laughs> yeah, in your, in your, exactly, in her, in her spare time. Alana Walker Carpenter, thank you so much for spending the time with me here in the studio. I learned a lot. I think a couple of takeaways. It's, you know, pray for the people in business. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. Don't forget them. Pray for your friends, family, parents who are there on Wall Street, Bank Street, Bay Street, or wherever, you know, there is an urban center uh, in the world. You know, pray for them and be really mindful of that for their own relationships, for their health, for families. And thank you for your thoughts as we launch into the new year. So glad that you're here and so glad for our friendship. So thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Happy New Year. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to Your Story with Melinda, an exclusive presentation of faithstrongtoday.com. Listen to past episodes by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and join the conversation with Faith Strong Today on Facebook.